Well, good morning, everybody. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this series called Upstream. So I want you to do me a favor. Let's just get ahead a little bit, then we'll talk. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19 is where we're gonna camp out. On the way in, you are given a sermon note sheet. Keep that handy. We will fill that out here in just a second. Uh, also, if you've got the app, North Star Church Georgia in the App Store. That's the easiest way to follow along and keep up with where we're at today. So we're going to continue this series we've been in for a little while talking about how this new church began to live upstream in a downstream world. But it is so good to see you guys. I'm so glad you're here today. I apologize for my voice. I had to help an umpire out a little bit last night. But anyways, so it was all in love and I was just encouraging and edifying. But anyways, so we're really, really glad you're here. So I do apologize, I'm not sick, all is good. I just, I used my vocal cords for things that shouldn't have been yelled. But anyways, and so um, let me tell you where we're at today. This early church is growing. This early church is beginning to spread and we learn some truths we have to know. So if you got a pen or pencil, or you're, you're thumbing in your phone, I want you to write down a couple things that'll be sort of our, there, there aren't blanks for this, these are overarching thoughts. Number one, ready? Number one thought. It's all about Jesus. You're gonna learn in the book of Acts that everything that happens is all about Jesus. The whole thing. Every um, decision that gets made, everything that happens, it's all about pointing to Jesus. Don't get lost in anything else. It's all about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Would y'all agree on that? It, and in the world that we live in, we may disagree about a lot of things, but, but we, we need to align on the Jesus principle, all right? So it's all about Jesus. Second principle, ready? God can do anything he wants, anytime, his, anytime he wants, any way he wants. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants. God is way too big to put in a box, right? So we, we may have grown up that we've put God in this little box. What you learn in the book of Acts is this early church began to go upstream, living out their faith, you learn God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants. But aren't you glad that our God isn't confined to a box? Would y'all agree on that? I mean, I don't want a God that I can measure and quantify. I want a God that's bigger than the stuff I face in life. How many of y'all are facing some stuff in life? Raise your hand, all right? Don't you want a God that's bigger than the stuff? Well, this God was. So right there in your outline, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna step back because I want today, the passage that we're gonna read today, I want you to have some idea of where it comes from, okay? So first little blank in your outline in Acts, we see God sending his spirit and building his church one group at a time. So let's trace back. Jesus comes, which we celebrate at Christmas. He lives a perfect, sinless life. At the age of 33, he is sentenced to death, not for any sins he's done. He died for our sins, and he is hung up on a tree. He is 
put in a grave or put in a burial spot. Third day, he rises and walks out of there, and it changed everything. And then the book of Acts really picks up the story. After 40 days on earth, he goes back to heaven, and this early church got something Jesus had told them about. They found what the Holy Spirit was. So look at Acts 2. We're just going to give you a little background. It's right there in your notes. The church was birthed during Pentecost. Jews trusted in Jesus, spoke in other known languages of the day, and it was a visible sign to confirm that the Holy Spirit was now indwelling believers. Here was, here was the whole goal of that. The goal of that was to get the story of Jesus to as many people as possible, right? So they took, the Holy Spirit came, other known languages began to be spoken, and, and interesting, they weren't unknown languages, they were known languages, because the whole goal, it's all about Jesus. We gotta get the story of Jesus out. So that's in Acts 2. Look at what happens in Acts 8. The Samaritans believed. And they received the Holy Spirit the visible way when Peter and John laid hands on them, then affirming the Samaritans were equal members of the church. This was the Samaritan extension of Pentecost. So it was like their own. So the Jews believed, the Samaritans believed, but look at Acts 10. Peter preached and the Gentiles were empowered. And it was basically the third grouping of the Gentiles coming to know Christ. So we've got the Jews We've got the Samaritans, then we've got the Gentiles, because the, here's the story. It's all about who? Okay, if you're doubting your answer, I'm very concerned about you. All right, so let me give you another softball. It's all about who? It's all about him. This whole picture that's happening in Acts is all about getting the story of Jesus to as many people as possible. And here's the deal. Everybody who gets it is going to swim upstream. Because they're in a culture that's going this way, and when they meet Christ, they begin to go this way, and they encounter, they encounter some stuff. Today in Acts chapter 19, you see your fourth time that the Holy Spirit is talked about in, in picture of tongues. Paul tells the disciples of John the Baptist that Jesus is the Messiah, they were looking for. We're gonna break this down. As a result, they were empowered to speak in different known languages and prophesize an outward sign. This group was included in the church. This was an extension of Pentecost for the church. So there's four times in Acts. The only times it's really ever mentioned are is in Acts, and it's all about getting the story of Jesus to as many people as possible. Don't get lost in, well, what is all this? That's what the whole thing's about. Now, here's the crazy part. Now, you're in the story. You're in the story. It's gotten to us. You're going to hear, if you don't go to church, you're going to hear about Jesus today. So the story, because of this early church, has gotten all the way to Ackworth, Georgia, and Kennesaw, Georgia, for us. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Acts chapter 19. If at any point you are looking at your text and, I'm, and there's nothing in there, I'm just chatting. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. Ephesus is a major metropolitan city. We've seen him in Corinth, now he's in Ephesus. Ephesus is a, is a marketplace center. Ephesus is a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty rough area 
as far as religion, there was all these different religions going on. And Paul has a massive ministry in Ephesus. In fact, we have now a letter he wrote to this church called the book of Ephesians. So when you read your Bible and you get to Ephesians, it's the letter Paul wrote to this church he's meeting now. And he said to them these words, did you receive the Holy Spirit? So there, I'm sorry, in Ephesus, he found some disciples. All right, time out real quick, I got ahead. Disciples was a, was a term that was pretty frequent in that society because any rabbi who taught would have disciples. They, that means they are followers. They are people that follow in the dust of the rabbis, literally what disciple means. And so he meets some disciples, not Jesus' 12 disciples. He meets some other disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at what they said. And they said, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So it's like they got part of the story. These guys were disciples of a man who really worked out of a lot of the Old Testament. It's really interesting. We'll, we'll break it down here in a second. And he said to them, into what then have you been baptized? And they said, well, into whose baptism? John's. It was Jesus' cousin, who was the forerunner of Jesus. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, this is the fourth time we see this, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 of them in all. So all of a sudden now we have our fourth group. We have the Jews, we have the Gentiles, we have the Samaritans. Now we have these disciples of John the Baptist. All of this, so I want you to get this. All of this was to give proof of the story of who Jesus was. It's a whole picture that's going on, and now we're in the story. And in this story, we can look at two parts of it and miss the guts of it, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, whether it's in Compass, True North, out on the patio, or you're watching from a hospital room, would you just ask the Lord to speak clearly to you today, would you? Would you just say to him, God, you've got my ears? Just say that. God, you've got my heart. God, you've got me. Father, do only what you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit that is here in this room today. God, we give it over to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, before you're seated, turn around and introduce yourself to somebody around you and say, I wish Mike would stop yelling at umpires. All right, do that real quick. It's more of a prayer request. Here we go. Tucked in this passage is some stuff. So John the Baptist 
was the forerunner of Jesus. He was Jesus' cousin. In fact, his mother and Mary knew each other. And the Bible says that he leapt in the womb. So he comes along before Jesus. His whole goal of his ministry was to point the way to Jesus. That's why John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the trailblazer for Jesus. He was John the baptizer, right? So these disciples were baptized in John's name. John got it. He knew, you remember the day he baptized Jesus? He said, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals that he wears. He got it, but his guys didn't get it. So one link down the chain, they missed it. Principle number one. All right, let's unpack this. Principle number one. Salvation is only through faith in Jesus, period. Salvation is not through who you know. Salvation is not through what all you know. Salvation is only through faith in Jesus, Period. That's what salvation's through. These guys missed it. They just missed it. Look, look at the way the interchange happened. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of what? Telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. So John baptized, right? He baptized Jesus, which began Jesus' ministry. Back then, I want you to write this little note down. Maybe it'll help it make sense. When you were baptized for repentance, it meant while you were being baptized, you repented. You were looking to the one that was to come, but you repented. You were cleaning up before God. Jesus' baptism is very different. Jesus' baptism is you've repented of your sins, now you're baptized, right? Salvation is only through faith in Jesus. I want you to write the word above number one. Ready, here's the word, sincere. I truly believe these guys were sincere. I do. I think they were incredibly sincere. I think their hearts were in the right place. I think they were truly asking the right questions. They were incredibly sincere. But here's the problem. They were sincerely wrong. They missed it. They missed it. They thought it was about what they did, not who Jesus was. Does that make sense to everybody? Do you know that it's possible to attend church every Sunday and miss it? Did you know that? Do you know it's possible to go to every seminar, Bible study, log your shelves with everything and miss who Jesus is? Salvation is only about faith in Jesus. This week I got a call from a sweet young girl, grew up here at North Star. I would say she's probably in her 30s now. This past week her grandfather was dying. And so I get a call, it was on Thursday afternoon. It was from somebody, and they don't attend North Star, they live in Savannah. <clears throat> but she grew up here. And she said, I wanted to tell you the story. She said, I got to go see my granddad, who's a man of very few words, so I got to go sit with him, and she said, my grandmother is a talker, and she always answers things for him, all right? And so some of y'all may be sitting next to somebody like that. Don't look at them. But anyways, so 
You know what I'm talking about. So he said, my grandmother had to leave, so it was just me and my granddad. And she said, I asked him, she said, do you know where you're going after you pass? And it's imminent. He said, I think so. She said, well, would you like to know? He said, I would. Grew up in church. But didn't know. Salvation is about faith in who? Period. Not the church you attend. I'm so thankful you're all at North Shore. You, you, you're here and there's hundreds of other great churches in our community. It's not about having a live scent magnet on your car. Some of you need to drive better. But anyway, so it's not about that. It's <laughs> living fast. All right, and so it's not about that. It's about faith in Jesus. And here are these disciples. These guys were smart. They were followers of one who knew. But they didn't know. They didn't get it. Acts 4.12, and there's salvation in no one else, for there is no, under, no other name under heaven given among men by, by which we must be saved, period. Line in the sands. Line in the sand. It's all about Jesus. It's about, we all have to reach this point in life. We have to wrestle with who is Jesus to us. Not who he was to your grandparents or your mom and dad or your cousin or your uncle. Who is Jesus to you? These guys were incredibly sincere. But they were missing what it was about. Point number two. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we trust in Jesus. Maybe sitting in the service, it may have been when your parent led you to Christ when you were growing up, it may have been at your school, it may be wherever it was, on a ball field, wherever. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. I want you to write down this little thought, okay? And we got all of him at salvation. We got all of him. And I'm gonna explain what that means here in a second. We got all of him. Look at the way Acts said it. said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. Well, Paul writes, thinking about this, knowing where you're at. We're in Ephesus. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Boom. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, and you got all of him you need right then. So let's, let's, let's I'll tell you, a current, story. So Ann and I went and bought a TV. It was a, a cheap one, but we went and bought one. All right. So we went and bought a little TV. And when I went to Walmart and I bought this TV, it came in a what? What did the TV come in? A box. If you said mine didn't come in a box, you stole it. All right. And so I, I got mine in a box. So I got my TV in a box, right? And I come home. 
And so I'm like, all right, we got to put together the TV. We got to put all the stuff on it and we're going to hang it on a bracket. And so yesterday I bought it Friday. Yesterday morning, we took the TV out of the box. So question, did I own the TV when it was in the box? Yes or no? Yes. I had the receipt. Bought the warranty, I know. I always buy that warranty. I've never used it. But anyway, so I bought the $36 four-year. It's a pretty good deal. All right, and so I bought the warranty. Always looking for a deal. All right, so got the TV. I own the TV in the box. So let's say this afternoon, we wanted to sit outside and watch the Braves. All right, they're coming on 1130. What's that about? But anyway, so let's say we wanted to watch the Braves. Can I watch the Braves on the TV when it's in the box, yes or no? No, no. I own the TV, but the TV's no good till I take it out of the what? Box, and I put it together. Well, let's put it together. When Ann puts it together, all right, so let's clarify here. If you're new to North Star, Ann puts everything together at our house, but I'm a willing helper, all right? And so Ann puts the TV together. We're gonna sit, we're gonna sit on the patio, we're gonna watch that TV today. I own the TV, but the TV's only useful when I get it out of the box. Paul says to the church at Philippi, when you work out your salvation, that means when you take your faith out of a box, you find out how much Holy Spirit you got. Does that make sense to everybody? That's why small groups are so important. I give you 30 minutes, 30 minutes on Sunday morning. It's all you get, 30 minutes. For some of y'all, that's long enough. All right, and so that's, that's all you get. Man, we learn to take our faith out of a box when we attend a small group, when we begin to have a time with the Lord every morning. I was talking to one of our business leaders that's sitting in here, and it was in our executive's Bible study the other week, and I said, what got you through some of the darkest seasons? He said, when I got in God's word every day, you take your faith out of the box. When you said yes to Jesus, listen, everybody look at me. He sealed you. He sealed you, meaning you'll always be his. You'll get more later. You got all you needed. As you grow, you learn how much you got. Does that make sense to everybody? It's so easy to look at it and go, man, I I wish, no, 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 no. He gave you all you need Grow in what you got. Point number three, ready? Believer's baptism comes after faith in Christ. Believer's baptism comes after faith in Christ. Remember, John's baptism, it was a repentance baptism. You're repenting of your sins as you're baptized. Believer's baptism comes after repentance. So it's saying, I get what Jesus did. He lived for me, he died for me, and he rose again just for me. That's what believer's baptism is. And it comes after our faith. For some of us, we got baptized as a kid, we had no idea what we're doing. I got baptized when I was 12. I didn't know Jesus. My parents joined the church, and I had a deacon who had drank coffee that morning, laid over my shoulder and go, you ever been baptized? And I'm like, nope. All right, he said, you wanna be? I'm, I love being in front of people. Sure, that sounds great. And so I got baptized in the service that morning. I had no idea. I, I mean, I was clueless. 
Well, when I met Christ a couple years later, I was rebaptized. And the difference was my baptism came after my salvation. It said, I get that Jesus lived for me. I get that Jesus died for me. And I get that Jesus rose again just for me. All right, so get this. Baptism does not wash away your sins. So when you get in water, it doesn't wash away your sins. If it did, then everybody who got in after you would get your sins on them, all right? And so that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's a picture of what Jesus did. What we watch happen in this dialogue set the foundation of the church that we're living out 2,000 years later. Now, here's the hardest part of this. What do you do with it? That's the hardest part. It's not what happened. The modern day is what does this mean to me? So I have to ask myself a question. Number one, do I know Jesus? Is he my savior? Number two, if he is, is my baptism, have I lived it out correctly? And here's why. So baptism does not get you in heaven or keep you out of heaven. Salvation gets you in heaven, keeps you out of heaven. Baptism is an outward uniform that we put on to tell the world, Jesus is mine. I remember years ago, it was one of our very first, we've baptized in hot tubs, we've baptized in lakes, we've baptized in uh, at Crunch Fitness years ago, there used to be a Crunch Fitness over on Barrett Parkway. We baptized there, we baptized in swimming pools, we baptized all over the place. And I remember, you know, when we, when we would baptize that there was a, a lady, it was one of my favorite baptism stories of all time. It was at a gentleman who went here for a long time, Chuck Roseman. They've eventually moved. A lot of you guys know Chuck and Lisa Roseman, just big parts of North Star for many years. I remember a, a lady who had gotten saved who had come out of a really, really rough lifestyle. So I remember getting a call from the guy that led her to Christ. He and his wife had led this lady to Jesus. And they said, can we do a private baptism? And I was like, well, absolutely. I said, we always just encourage in a private baptism that you invite some family and friends. And this was the line. She's got 35 friends that have known her in this life coming to the baptism. One of the greatest experiences of my life was standing there in a pool in Chuck Roseman's backyard with a crowd of people around. None of them knew Jesus. And this girl put on his uniform in front of them and marked all that and took her first communion. That I'll never forget as long as I live. One of the greatest ministry moments I've ever been a part of because she put Jesus' uniform on. Ladies and gentlemen, when you put Jesus' uniform on back in that day, it cost you something. It cost you your job, it would cost you your livelihood, it could cost you, but these believers back in that early day said, being and following Jesus is worth it, and they went upstream. You're watching people go, well, I'm turning from where I was going, I'm going upstream, and here's the deal. The only way we make on this mark on this world now is we know what we know, Jesus, and we live what we know. And that's when the mark happens. Would you pray with me?
Maybe you are in this room today and you say, Mike, I have never. <laughs> you asked me if I believe I would have told you I did, but I, Mike, my faith's been in a lot of other stuff, but Jesus. Mike, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's the prayer of this sweet little girl who's down in her late 30s. She remembered from being a kid here at North Star that she led her granddad in last week. It's not the words. It's the heart. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that with me? I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. Would you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If you prayed that prove me today, welcome home. That's it. It's giving your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're in here today and you're wrestling with baptism. You're just wrestling with, what do I do with this? Would you just tell the Lord today, I just want to be obedient to you. Would you tell him? Father, I love that every time I open your word, I got to do something with it. It's not for knowledge, it's for action. It's not for what I know, it's for what I do with what I know. God, thanks for the picture of this early church that was painted of people that lived upstream. So downstream, 2,000 years later, we get to hear their stories. God, may we be a church that looks and lives like you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.